Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the Market Maker Podcast, hosted by me, Anthony Chung where every Friday I talk to a member of the team about what happened in markets this week. From macro themes and single stock news to cryptocurrencies and careers in finance, our aim is simple, to make finance interesting and easy to understand for everyone. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Market Maker podcast. I'm going to be your host today, Eddie Domez. Unfortunately, Anthony and Piers, the usual culprits, are off on holiday today. So you're going to have to make do with me. But we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. It's been a pretty crazy week in financial markets. And as I speak right now, on Friday afternoon, the NASDAQ is down 4% for the week the S&P 500 down 3.5% for the week. And actually, the S&P 500 suffered its worst month since March 2020. And I think we all know what happened there. But it's really being driven uh, by the world coming really to terms with higher inflation. There's been absolute chaos at the fuel pumps, particularly in the UK. We've seen record oil and energy prices more generally, uh, all being driven by supply chain issues, um, Hurricane Ida as well, hitting uh, kind of supply on the oil side. But really, inflation is looking like it's going to remain high for the next 12 to 18 months and really settle at a higher rate in the longer term. Just as I speak right now, we just had Eurozone inflation data out and it's hit a 13-year high being lifted on uh, basically soaring energy prices, and it's hit 3.4%. And this is definitely being reflected in rates, in the rate markets. We've seen kind of yields across the board, if it's bonds, treasury yields, gilt, all firmly on the march upwards um, as central banks look to tighten or speed up their tapering or interest rate moves 
Um, tapering is looking like it's going to happen a little bit more rapidly than we thought. It was meant to be the end of 2022, and now it's looking like the middle of 2022. Um, so the Treasury yield market has been really edging up. And we've had some quite worrying data from kind of single stocks as well. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond was down 24% uh, on one day this week. Um, basically revising down their, their earnings and their kind of growth forecasts, really citing a hit to retail sales, consumer confidence hit a seven-year low, and this kind of consumer uh, behavior is constantly changing at the moment, particularly in the brick-and-mortar space. There's, you know, there's COVID, there's Delta variant problems, you know, you're allowed out, you're not allowed out, it's worrying, it's not worrying. Um, so this is causing havoc with consumer behavior, but really on the supply chain is where it's causing the most carnage. Uh, and we're seeing that 100% in lots of kind of energy prices uh, and input costs, of course, that kind of flow through to the, the bottom line of these companies that produce different uh, kind of various goods. But let's kind of drive down into, you know, why, why do stocks drop? You know, what, what impact does higher yields and higher, the prospect of higher rates really have on stocks and why? Uh, I've been writing the market maker, uh, our daily newsletter in absence of, of Anthony. And I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, you know, putting this out. And I've had a ton of questions from the students uh, and the individuals that read our, our newsletter, which is fantastic. Uh, so I've been kind of breaking down all of these different things for them. So if you haven't checked out that Market Maker newsletter, definitely do so on the AmplifyMe.com website. But as we go, really, the higher yield and really high yield environment being driven by rising inflation refills basically translates into central bank action uh, and more aggressive central bank action potentially. And this is really a tapering of more accommodative me measures that we've been really used to since the financial crisis. But of course, uh, that were ever present uh, in, uh, they basically got the bazooka out in, uh, in March 2020 and through the kitchen sink in terms of quantitative easing. Of course, fiscal policy was of course there from the, from the government, lots of bills passed. Um, but the, the, the support was very much there. Um, and now we're looking to kind of exit that, you know, the initial reaction of the COVID pandemic. And this is leading to central banks talking about, talking about <laughs> tapering. Okay. And this is looking like it's going to, uh, you know, come sooner than what markets were uh, basically expecting. Uh, and also interest rates. You know, it doesn't look like interest rates are going to be moving anytime 100%, definitely not moving anytime this year, most likely not going to move next year, but it's looking like 2023, uh, we could see potentially some, some 25 basis point uh, rate hikes. Uh, but this kind of inflationary pressure that's building in the economy is definitely leading to a more aggressive rhetoric from central banks uh, all over the world. Just as I mentioned, the Eurozone uh, inflation data just came out at a 13-year high. But when you say, okay, uh, higher rates, what does that actually mean? How does that really impact the economy? Right? How does that impact me and you? Okay, What it means is the, the price of money, the cost of money goes up. Okay. And that might not mean a lot. You may think, oh, I'm not actually borrowing anything. I'm not going to the bank at the moment. 
but it translates into many, many facets of your life. Okay. It may mean higher car payments, higher credit card payments, higher student loan payments, a higher mortgage payment, okay, or higher interest costs. If you are a business owner and you're looking to uh, borrow some more money to fund some operations, you're going to have to borrow at a more expensive rate. Okay. And this really hits economic activity. And of course, the economy is not the stock market and the stock market is not the economy, but they, are, they of course, do impact each other, uh, particularly in the long run. So when you get a hit to economic activity from the essentially the, the cost of money rising, then certain stocks definitely, definitely suffer. Okay, so stocks have been really hit hard this week, as I mentioned, down 3.5 or 4%. And this is really uh, worrying for investors um, because it's being really driven by higher energy prices, okay, and of course, input costs, okay. So if you're a business, of course, you know, you, you, manu you may manufacture things, you may be an airline that transports people, you may be a bed, bath and beyond, okay, that sells bed, bath and beyond. <laughs> but in terms of running your business, you know, you're going to have to take a hit on your profits from rising costs. The other alternative is you pass those costs on to consumers. And what does that mean? That means you, part, you raise the prices of your goods or services that you're basically supplying to the economy. Okay. And of course, generally, people do not like higher prices. Okay. And consumption is a massive driver of economic, economic activity, particularly in more developed economies. Okay. So consumption approximately makes up about 70% of gross domestic product. Okay, so any hit to consumption from higher bills, rising energy prices, etc., then this is going to have a meaningful impact on the global economy and, glo and, and global growth around the world. And when you've got Brent crude, for example, trading above $80 a barrel for the first time since 2018, okay, what does this hit? Okay, this means it costs more to fill up your car, more to heat up your house, okay? For businesses, a higher cost to produce materials that are derivatives of oil, okay? So plastics, batteries, soaps, okay? It really hits all facets of the economy. And it's all about connecting the dots of, you know, how these higher prices hit businesses, households, and the wider economy, okay? But the biggest problem that we're potentially face, being faced with in the global economy at the moment is the prospect of slowing global growth and rising inflation, okay? And this is defined as stagflation. It's pretty much one of the worst scenarios you can be in, okay? Normally, when the economy is firing on all cylinders and prices are rising from an increase in aggregate demand, the central bank will tend to you know, try and take some heat off that economy, okay? And that may mean a tapering, it may mean interest rate rises, but this is almost a function of something good, right? There's increased, the velocity of the economy is firing, aggregate demand is rising, generally the economy is healthy, okay? What you do not want to see is when you have slowing growth and rising prices from things like rising energy prices and supply chain shocks, because you're essentially looking as a central bank 
banker to raise rates or tighten financial conditions into a slowing growth environment, which really would have, of course, a negative impact on economic activity. Okay, so central bankers are being faced with higher prices and higher inflation, but it's all kind of peaking at the wrong time. Of course, we've seen you know, China data out uh, that we've been kind of talking about since my last podcast, kind of the sentiment and the mood music falling. We've, of course, seen the China slowdown, the potential for an Evergrande fillo- uh, spillover. Of course, it may not be the layman moment, but you, you better bet that there's other property developers in China that are similarly leveraged Okay, and kind of have been uh, doing some of the same stuff that Evergrande have been doing. Okay, and of course, as we know, the Chinese economy is made up, you know, I think almost 70% uh, in terms of the GDP, sorry, 37% in terms of the, the output by the, by the property market. Okay, so we're seeing also China say, look, we need to seize all of these commodities and energy energy resources ahead of a very cold potentially winter. So there's going to be a real fight for energy and commodities, and this is being reflected in the prices. Okay. So what does that mean for stocks? Okay. So we've talked about the economy and what impact kind of higher higher prices has on the economy. What does it mean for stocks? Okay. Well, we actually saw the NASDAQ really underperforming most indices this this week you know some days this week the S&P was down 2% the Nasdaq was down even more and that was definitely the case as we're kind of closing out the week so why is that why is an why is the, an index like the Nasdaq getting hit much more than an index like the S&P 500 okay well it's all down to the index composition as we know the Nasdaq is generally more made up of longer duration assets. What that means is names like tech stocks that generate their cash flows you know, further out into the future. Okay, And how we actually value that from an intrinsic value basis is actually using something called a discount factor. Okay, And without getting too technical, we're trying to ascertain the value of an asset to us today. Okay, We do that from a discounted cash flow perspective, by discounting all those future cash flows you know, out into 2020, 2025, 2030, today. What, the, what is that cash flow 20 years from now worth to us today? Well, we use a discount factor. And that discount factor is determined or influenced by the risk-free rate. And if we take the risk-free rate as something like a US Treasury yield, Okay, when you see that treasury yield go up, we're seeing the discount factor rise. That means that the, these cash flows essentially are worth less to us today than they were when yields were at 0.5% rather than 1.5%. Okay, so what this means is these longer duration assets, these more speculative names, these higher growth names, okay, think of your Teslas, for example, they will tend to underperform in higher inflation, thus higher rate environments, okay? So that's why we saw the tech stocks getting hit way more than the S&P 500. Of course, as we know, there are tech stocks, okay, and longer duration assets in the S&P 500. I think it makes up about 25% of the S&P 500 is information technology stocks. However, the NASDAQ is 
more highly weighted. I think it's over 50%, the top 10 names in the NASDAQ uh, are te you know, technology names, and they really do influence uh, that whole overall index. Okay. So as rates head up, this also makes non-dividend paying stocks less attractive to bonds okay, that offer higher yields. Okay, so investors will, may also reallocate capital away from those stocks into assets such as bonds. Okay, so you're seeing really a, a reallocation of capital as yields kind of head up, which is hitting stocks into things that offer a somewhat relatively higher yield, things like bonds. Okay, but it's not all negative for stocks, though. Okay, more generally, there's some sectors in the economy, in the in the stock market that actually benefit potentially from inflation. Okay, the energy sector is one name. Okay, imagine Exxon. Okay, they've seen the price of oil go from uh, basically negative thirty-seven dollars a barrel in April 2020 to now eighty dollars a barrel. Okay, and what do Exxon do? They produce and sell oil. Okay, so of course they're going to benefit from this energy or oil price inflation because they're going to be able to pass that on to the consumers. Okay, so it's not that all stocks really get hit by inflation. It's those longer duration assets and those that benefit are names like energy. Okay, utilities are also a good example of a rel relatively attractive sector due to its defensive nature, okay, healthcare is another one, and their dividend paying nature. Okay, so when tech stocks get hit, and those kind of more speculative names, you'll tend to see those kind of defensive sectors like healthcare, utilities, okay, really outperform relative to those kind of tech stocks. Okay, so wrapping that all, all up, okay, this higher inflation environment is hitting stocks, and it's hitting tech stocks, uh, really badly, hence why we're seeing the Nasdaq down around 4% this week. But let's get on to some other stories because we have got some other juicy stories to look at. Uh, we had Senator Warren, so Senator Elizabeth Warren, calling Jerome Powell a dangerous man this week. So she was speaking at a hearing and said that she will vote against Jay Powell's renomination, okay, when it comes up. And Warren quote was quoted saying, over and over, you have acted to make our banking system less safe, and that makes you a dangerous man, Jerome Powell. So it looks like Jerome Powell is 100% in the bad books uh, of Elizabeth Senator Elizabeth Warren, and it looks like Jerome might be off her Christmas list. Okay, And sticking with the Fed, we've got two members of the Federal Reserve announcing their retirement on the same day, all while suspicious, suspiciously a trading controversy rumbles on. So this week we saw Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan announcing that he's set to retire on October the 8th. Okay, and this is months earlier than expected. And it's really come to come to fruition that he was actually trading stocks last year. Okay, which is pretty unbelievable that someone who has a massive impact on markets potentially. Okay, and sits in lots of kind of private meetings with the FOMC, with Jerome Powell, that have a huge impact on policy, monetary policy. And as we know, monetary policy has a huge impact on asset prices generally, but particularly stocks. Okay, so it's kind of suspicious that he's looking to retire 
on October the 8th, months earlier than expected, as this kind of news comes to light. But it's not just Robert Kaplan. Okay, it's also the Boston Fed president, Rosenberg, and he's announced that he's retiring. Okay, and they've both been actively trading stocks, but also things like mortgage-backed securities, okay, and U.S. Treasuries, all of which the Fed have been buying over the last kind of 18 months uh, and even before that. Okay, so it's pretty suspicious that we're seeing this kind of news come to light. Um, that's for sure. And of course, we've seen some news as well, and it's been quite uh, widely cited on um, FinTwit about Nancy Pelosi, and she's made a pretty decent sum, okay, trading stocks and options with her husband. And I kind of made a joke in the market maker that maybe they can all set up a hedge fund uh, in retirement uh, together after, after the, all their terms ends. But we progress. Arc has also been in the news. Okay, so Kathy Wood uh, and ARK Invest. The ARK Innovation ETF has now hit a four-month low. Okay, and this is really, again, a function of the higher yield, higher inflation story, really hitting those massively, in some cases, speculative, longer-duration names. Okay, so on Thursday, 100% of the ETF's holdings, and this is the ARK Innovation ETF, were down. Okay, and some, you know, some sizable drawdowns since their high. So it was uh, Charlie Bellello on Twitter kind of had a really nice tweet looking at some of the top holdings and how much, you know, what percentage they're down from their highs. Look at Teladoc down 60% from its highs. Zoom down 56%. Okay, uh, NVIDIA down 55%. Beam down 36%. So some really big drawdowns um, in the kind of, Kathy Wood, ARK Innovation ETF, hitting those speculative names, okay? And that's definitely a, t a win for Team Burry. Remember, Burry is calling for a stock market crash, and he's been quite vocal on Twitter, reactivating and, uh, his, and closing his Twitter account. But he's very much in the camp of inflation being a more sticky, permanent situation, okay? And really against that speculative excess that he's comparing to the dot-com bubble. Kathy Wood, on the other hand, definitely has a macro view. Of course, on the micro side, she's investing in disruptive, you know, future highly growth uh, companies. But she's very much in the kind of team transitory camp. Uh, and as we're seeing with inflation and energy prices, you know, it's really uh, the inflation narrative uh, that's taking hold at the moment. And of course, stocks are, uh, are really suffering from that. We've also seen, to kind of further on the Kathy Wood angle, Tesla, okay, as a single stock story, they've launched their fully self-driving beta version. So this is a kind of software update, a self-drive, fully self-driving software update, and markets were lo loving it. Uh, they were up 3%. Uh, on Wednesday on the announcement. And this essentially enables cars to automatically change lanes, park, or move slowly from a, from a parking spot. Uh, and this allows kind of auto steering on city streets, automatic navigation around vehicles, pedestrians, bicycles, all without touching the steering wheel. Okay, so it sounds pretty crazy, but uh, it's a really nice and a really interesting um, kind of market development for Tesla, really moving into that kind of subscription model that you see with 
your Apples and your Netflixes, for example. And it's reported that 360,000 customers have actually already bought fully self-driving and that kind of uh, software update. And that's available either £199 sorry, dollars per month as a subscription or $10,000 up front. Okay, so if we were to do the math and a really simple basic calculation with a very basic assumption that those 360,000 customers all opted for the you know cheaper upfront version, which is the $199 per month as a subscription, this would actually mean that Tesla is collecting $71,640,000 per month just in fully self-driving subscriptions. Okay, as a as an MRR, a monthly recurring revenue, that's a pretty nice sum. Okay, even in its very very early days, so it's very much um, a positive step for Tesla in terms of being this hardware company that sells, of course, Teslas, but being able to upsell subscriptions on top of that that customers love is a really nice angle uh, for for Elon Musk, and I look forward to seeing the numbers. If, they're, if they are disclosed uh, and how they kind of grow over time. But it's not been all plain sailing for Tesla. And that's, you know, it's been a very interesting week for Tesla. Shamath Palahapatiya, who actually I am a big fan of, it's the social capital founder and CEO, has actually quite surprisingly and quite publicly dumped his entire Tesla stake. This comes basically months, just months after saying, don't sell a share. And there was an interesting quote on CNBC uh, from a January 7th, 2021 interview saying, I don't know why people are so focused on selling things at work. He was referring to Tesla at the time. If I owned a billion dollars hypothetically of Tesla stock and I sold it, then I have a $1 billion problem. What happens if it's 10 billion or 100 billion? It doesn't matter what the number is. The point is, when things are working, you are paid to stay with the people that know what they're doing. And this guy, talking about Elon Musk, has consistently been one of the most important entrepreneurs in the world. So why bet against him? Okay, so that's kind of interesting. So he's talked about this and Elon being the most important entrepreneur in the world. So what's changed? What's led him to dump that whole Tesla stake? Is Elon no longer an important entrepreneur? Is there someone else? Okay. Has Tesla detached too far away from its fundamentals now that it's time to take some chips off the table? Or is it simply just a reallocation of capital to something more exciting? Okay, Maybe it's another renewable energy play with a larger potential upside. Either way, it's a very important move. Okay, And there's an interview that we can link in the show notes where he's reportedly from, from that interview. But sticking with the kind of Kathy Wood Tesla theme, She's also been dumping $270 million in Tesla shares. Okay, And of course, she's a massive proponent of uh, Tesla. It's been her biggest holding in most of her ETFs, particularly over the last few years. And it was a massive driver of her overall ETF performance in 2020. But she's dumped $270 million in Tesla shares. Okay, She's currently got, as a base case, a $3,000 price target for Tesla on the stock. Tesla's currently trading at around $288. So does that sound bullish to you? Okay, selling $270 million worth of Tesla when you've got such a high price target, okay, almost five times, doesn't sound very bullish to me. But to give her the benefit of the doubt, I know I'm a pretty nice guy. 
she has said that she tends to trim her allocations in her ETFs, like the ARK Innovation ETF, once they exceed 10%. Okay, So when prices move, of course, then ETF holdings or you know, just general holdings usually tend to need to be rebalanced if they go up or down okay, to fit a kind of target allocation that's set by that fund manager. So in all fairness, Tesla is up about 83% this year or over the last year. So it's grown and her allocation obviously has grown. And she has also been reportedly, um, you know, been reported saying that she likes to take money out of her winners and invest it again into really kind of disruptive names, if it's gene editing, for example, or uh, more renewable energy kind of plays. So to give her the benefit of the doubt, it did exceed that 10% holding. So, um, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll let her off on that one. Her ARC ETF, on the other hand, is down 10% on the year, okay, after the recent Texel Elf and that high, kind of higher inflation print. So she is not having a great time at the moment, okay, generally. But I will leave you with a famous quote. It's always about watching what people do, not what they say. Okay, so with names like Shamath Palahapatiya, Kathy Wood, okay, these famous investors, of course, they're going to go on the news and talk about their holdings. And of course, they wouldn't be invested unless they were excited about them. But it's always interesting to then contrast what people say in the media with what their holdings suggest. Okay, so when you're looking and analyzing or basically looking to analyze an investment, definitely look at the data and what that suggests in terms of who's buying, who's selling, and what they're saying in the, in the public eye. Okay, so I'll leave that with you. What, do you. what do you guys think? Are you buying any Tesla on this dip or are you dumping it like Shamath and Kathy? So that's it for today's podcast. We've kind of recapped the general economy and these supply chain issues that are causing havoc with inflation. We've kind of broken down why stocks have been down this week and what impact these rising prices have had on the economy and indeed stocks. Okay, we've taken a look at the Fed, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren calling Jerome Powell a dangerous man. Okay, and the two Fed presidents, Kaplan and Rosenberg, that have stepped down on insider trading, rumors. The ARK Innovation ETF has hit a four-month low. Tesla launching fully self-driving, but that not being enough for Shamath and Kathy to stick with the stock. I hope you enjoyed this slightly different podcast, and I'll see you again soon. Take care and have a lovely weekend. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.